Hi, everybody. It's No Show. I'm Matt Brown, joined, as always, by my co-host, Jeff Borman. Jan Freitag is our guest today. He is National Director, Hospitality Analytics for the CoStar Group. CoStar is the industry leader in commercial real estate information, analytics, and news. Jan is a world traveler. He's an NBA fan. He can casually reference Optimus Prime from the Transformers and industry articles. And if you want to know anything about anything regarding the future of the hotel business, Jan is Merlin, Gandalf, Dumbledore, Nostradamus, all rolled into one. Jan, welcome to No Show. Thank you, especially uh, the beard, I guess. That's uh, definitely something I got to work on. Thanks for the kind introduction. Um, the future is unknowable. So yeah, we all have our opinions. I certainly have some strong opinions about the future. I hope I can back them up with some good data, but I'm curious to hear what you think about where we're going. Well, yeah, I first became familiar with you during the darkest time in our industry's history, you know, March of 2020. Uh, as COVID began closing borders and demand plummeted, you were doing weekly videos in state of the industry. And for me and tens of thousands of others, uh, your weekly videos were must-see TV at that time. And you didn't just provide insights that we all craved so badly in a period of fear and layoffs, uh, but your calm demeanor uh, really made you the right person for that moment too. Frankly, I wish you'd still do them. They're really great. Thank you for that. Thank you for saying that. Uh, you're saying must see TV. I think we nobody had anything else to do at the point. We're all at home <laughs> in our bedrooms <laughs> that now suddenly became our offices and we're like, well, there's that young guy again. I might as well just listen. When when you when you started adding above your shoulder uh, a kind of a subliminal message uh, through a poster, I thought that was particularly creative. That was cool. You are also uh, doing a new podcast. Congratulations on its launch. It's called Tell Me More. So please tell us more about it. Why the launch? Well, first of all, what is Tell Me More, and who's the audience for it? Yeah, thanks for referencing it. So Isaac Colazzo is the lead researcher data head of STR, long, long career with intercontinental hotels, was a power user of the STR data. And when he switched careers and we were able to pick him up, it was really, really a benefit to STR because as you can imagine, we have all the data, which also probably means we have most of the answers. The problem and the issue is to ask the right question. And Isaac is very, very good at that. Now, he has strong opinions, as do I. So he and I, in our um, bi-weekly calls about the weekly data, we sometimes respectfully disagree. <laughs> and so Stephanie Ricca was like, you guys are great. Like, this is really interesting because we both pull data out of our data set and saying, but I'm seeing this and I'm seeing this and this may jive, this may not. And she said, hey, we should bottle this. This is really interesting. <laughs> so that's basically what this is. It's a vessel for us to honestly unprepare to riff <laughs> on where we think the industry is, the data is, and where we think things are going and what sort of strikes us in the weekly or monthly data. The audience is really anyone who has an interest in where the industry, where the hotel, the U.S. hotel industry, I should say, is today. And um, yeah, anyone who is, could be an investor, but I think a lot of it is sort of marketing revenue management focused. Yeah, that's a much more interesting background. Matt and I started this because it was just barstool banter and I didn't know we were being recorded. Yes, yes. <laughs> I often secretly record Jeff and we decided <laughs> why not turn that into an opportunity for fun and profit. Was there alcohol? <laughs> yeah, there's always alcohol, trust me. <laughs> Yeah, on, on your podcast, you mentioned 
192 APIS, APIS, I don't know, Department of Commerce as a data source. I, I'm a, I'm a travel data geek, so I'm always excited to hear about new sources. Thank you for that one. Uh, what other non-STR data sources does an exec in a dominant travel data company monitor? So we know a lot about hotels, but hotels obviously is just one piece of the puzzle. So you refer, so people ask us all the time about you know the Chinese traveler. Where's the Chinese traveler? Is he coming back? Are they coming back? And so we can only look at the occupancy in coastal markets and say, well, maybe there's something there. Luckily, your taxpayers, our taxpayers, uh, the Department of Commerce makes this I-92 APS data available that tells you how many people fly, not just from country to country, from country into the US, but also by city pair. So you can see how many people fly from Beijing to San Francisco, from Rio to Miami. It's super, super, duper interesting. And so I, I dug into it, I wrote a couple of articles for CoStar News. The other data set, of course, that's super interesting is always the air DNA data. So Jamie Lane, he's the head of research for air DNA, he's the smartest guy in that space, I think, and a guy I trust the most when, when he publishes, I read it. And the argument is always, hey, not the argument, but the question is always, how does Airbnb, you know, or unfortunately STR, short-term rental data, impact the hotel industry? And we've gone back and forth, and there are a couple of studies out there. I think you can make the argument that on the leisure side, yes, there's some bleed over. But the truth is, I work for CoStar. I have to book through Concur. Airbnb is not on Concur. I'm not going to be an STR customer if I, if I travel uh, for work. So, you know, th there's a whole conversation there that we don't need to get into. But for short-term rental data, AirDNA, I think, is my, is my go-to. And then, honestly, the Department of Labor has really good data about wages and about how many people were still lacking <laughs> to get back to quote-unquote full employment that we are pre-2020. And then, um, yeah, there are just a bunch of other data sets that I stumble into or so. And if I find something, I normally just publish an article about it just to sort of share the well. Last year at the data conference, you led a, a breakout session on uh, business travel outlook and recovery trajectory. And uh, it was very well attended, and a lot of people took notice of it. Uh, do you remember what happens in those sessions? <laughs> like, do you remember what you get right and what you miss? Well, so I think what we said at the time is that we were fairly bullish on group, and that we were also kind of bullish on corporate transient coming back. But, and I think we got that probably half right. <laughs> so, group demand continues to be a bright spot in the industry, right? In June of 2019, we sold 8.6 million group rooms. In June of this year, we sold 8.2 million group rooms. If you listen to the Merrick Ernest call yesterday, they were like, yeah, forward booking data now is 14% up year over year, um, what they have on the book. So I think group continues to do well. We're not obviously back to 2019, but I, we could see the light there, the light at the end of the tunnel. On the corporate transient side, I think we saw a very rapid return. And so we sort of extrapolated that line up and said, oh, okay, look, that's pretty good. Well, it turns out that you or I have not been back in an office on a Friday, right? We may be working in the office three days or four days, but it's probably not a Friday, which probably means that this Thursday night is no longer really a business travel line. You know, and arguably a lot of people aren't in the office on Monday. So Monday night is no longer a business travel night. So we're sort of crunching the amount of time that we have for business travel. And clearly there's there, there, there are not room nights missing. 
You know, and so if you look at the top 25 markets, if you look at the, the larger um, markets um, that have large downtown convention center hotels, they're still not back to where they were in 2019. Are they growing year over year? Absolutely. But are they back to 2019? Yeah, probably not. I can't believe it's August. We're already well, well, well into 2023. What? Can you tell us, can you give us a sneak peek? I don't want you to give away all the stuff that might show up in your next breakout, but can you give us a sneak peek at what your crystal ball is telling you for 2024? So the house call is still for a recession Hmm. in, and we push it out. So now Q4 and Q1 of next year. That is no longer consensus, turns out. (laughs) That used to be a consensus, consensus, and that sort of eroded over time. The macroeconomic data that continues to be published looks so good that people are calling this a soft landing. And and actually, I think the Fed is now saying, oh, no more recession risk. We respectfully disagree. And our head of capital markets for CoStar gave an internal presentation that scared the pants of us, honestly. (laughs) Um, And he was very, very clear that, hey, the term soft landing is used all the time right before the recession. And he had like these news clippings from the 70s and 80s and 90s, basically saying, look, this is when the word soft landing was used by a major bank or by a major news outlet. And six months later, we're in a recession. So we're not saying it's going to be a dire recession. We're saying it's going to be a very soft one. Two quarters, you know, maybe 100 basis points from top to bottom. Certainly something we can live through. So what that means then is that the back part of 2024 is going to look comparatively speaking better because we're comping off you know q4 of this year which is arguably going to be a recession so we're projecting continued revpar growth into the future continued adr growth into the future just around the level of inflation so we'll no real rate growth which of course hurts the owner's bottom lines right if all expenses go up you know at inflation or more and your top line only grows a little bit over inflation, that will hurt GOP. The good news is that we're not overbuilding. As an industry, we have a terrible track record of always overbuilding into the downturn. This time around, it's different. The long-run average of supply growth is called at 2% or so for easy math. In June, supply growth was 0.3%, a zero handle. So very, very few new hotels are coming into the market. There's a bubble in the in construction pipeline, in the planning, in the final planning phase. Of course, that'll resolve itself as interest rates ease. But when is that? Well, maybe towards the end of next year. So we feel pretty good about next year. But of course, this is just a continuation of what we call normalization. I wrote an article about that on on Hotel News Now, you know, just saying, look, the people, the the markets, the chain skills that over-index in 2021, 2022 are now coming back to earth. And the markets that under-index, New York, Washington, Minnesota, Minneapolis, are now coming back the other way. So they're, they're getting more normal from they used to hurt. Now they're doing better. And the Pacific Northwest will stay terrible? Terrible is a strong word, you know. <laughs> like, I mean, the, 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 what I always counter that is you tell me what return to office looks like, and I tell you what I think downtown looks like, you know. But if we're not in the office, if, if, if your office is on Park Avenue... You know, I'm not going to fly to New York to meet with you in your kitchen in Hoboken, right? Like, we're just going to do this on, on Teams or on Zoom. So if people aren't in the office on C- in Seattle, 
business travel will continue to get to, to hurt. I saw an article in Skipped a few weeks ago titled, Travel is Back with an Exclamation Point. And I went on to say, we can truly say that 2023 is the year travel has recovered. It got under my skin. I need an expert to rein me in here. So how far is AK below 19 still? So for the first six months, year to date, June occupancy for the US was 63%. In 2019, it was 65 and a half percent. The top 25 markets today, it's just under 70. In 2019, year to date, it was 74. So, yeah, we are still lagging. You know, we are still absolutely seeing. So, in percentage terms, that means for top 25 occupancy is down 7 percent. In uh, total US, is down 4 percent. Why is that? Well, keep in mind that occupancy is a function of supply and demand. And of course, we grew, you know, new supply, you know, to the tune of 3% or so. So you have to overcome that. But at the same time, we're missing a lot of those corporate transient travelers. The slide that I always use is is the president of Delta saying when he was asked in his quarter one earnings call, hey, talk to us about corporate transient demand. And he said, well, you know, we're at 85% of revenue but 75% of travel of, of, of volume. I don't care about how much my Delta makes. I care about how many people they fly from A to B, right? Because we're in B. And if he's saying, hey, corporate transit is off 25%, that's material. That's a lot of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night travelers, who, business travelers who are not yet back. So are we, is this the year of normalization? Yeah, we're slowly getting there. Are we back? No. Of course, you can then say, but look at Miami Beach and look at the Keys and look at Colorado. Yeah, of course, there are markets that have totally outperformed because of the leisure boom. But overall, as an industry, the occupancy is still, what is that, 4% below where it was. The hospitality media and the industry, they focus on that that idea of normalization, like we go back to something. And as much as they vaunt that they are uh, kind of evolutionary in thinking, it's like, there, there is always a new normal. There's a new normal every quarter, every year. Well, I think we see that on the on the room rate side, right? I mean, the room rates, they're not going to go back to 2019. <laughs> you know, they're up um, for the nation 17%. You know, for luxury, it's up, I don't know, the number you have like 25% or something. You know, are you really going to give that up? I don't think so. Like, we don't want that 2019 normal. <laughs> this is our new normal. Yeah, to that point, though, you know, I think a lot of people look to the ADR growth, whether it's a, as a consumer and just seeing price increases uh, or or a student in, of the industry who's hearing a podcast or a conversation like this and looking at figures at 17, 18% ADR growth. Inflation has been rampant and everybody knows it and feels it. And especially in the sectors that impact travel the most, energy, food, labor. So as we look at you know a 17-ish point increase in ADR over 19, uh, the inflationary pressures, that wipes that straight out. Absolutely. And so we're looking at basically inflation offsets ADR. Volume is still considerably down. Uh, I'm going to ask you, will you join me on, here's my mantra these days. So I'm calling it 25 by 25. This is uh, ADR has to be 25% above 19 by 2025 to simply offset inflationary pressure. That's with a modest 2.5% increase over the next two years in inflation. Very modest. 
I don't think our industry can do it, given the the headwinds we now face, at the same time as picking up another six points in rim nights. I, call me dour. I have an outlook then that says 2025, we are still going to be talking about pre-pandemic. So if it's a mantra, I think we should all chant it. I thought you were going to go to stay alive through 25. That's what a lot of the investors are thinking about right now. The owners who have to refinance the CMBS that's coming due and their, their loans that are coming due. I think your idea to say we need 25% ADR growth compared to 19 in 2025, I think is probably going to be exactly on the money. The problem is what is inflation do, right? Like you're saying, we want two and a half percent great growth right now. Like, is inflation going to be down that much by then? You know, maybe, you know, but it may still have a three handle, you know, the, the, the last 50 or 100 basis points may be really, really sticky, you know. So that'll be that'll be super interesting um, to observe. I think your 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 point is is very well taken. We have to continue to look at the top line in order for us for as owners you know, to continue to have something growing on the bottom line. What is the biggest question facing the hotel industry for the next decade? Decade? Yeah, until the end, until 2030. What, what, is the, what does the hotel industry wow. need to be? What, what's the big thing out there that's looming that all hotel companies are going to have to deal with? I think two things come to mind. We have to talk about climate change. And we have to talk about resiliency in hotels because when things go sideways with the weather, people look for shelter. And that's what we do. We provide shelter. So we have to be open. So we have to have emergency generators and double internet and water resources and be able to get our staff in. All of those questions about resiliency and so climate resiliency and just being ready when the weather strikes, or if you have too much water, if you have too little water, like all of those questions, I think will continue to be very, very important and need to be talked about by the designers, by the owners, by the brands. I think the other piece is the emerging middle class in India that will continue to travel a lot. And I think we just wanna be hospitable and we gotta be ready, you know, because I think they're coming and they wanna come. And I think we need to be ready to accommodate. It's time for the mystery question to close out the show. Jan, you've traveled all over the world, but your heart always comes back to Nashville. For tourists who come to Nashville, and there are plenty of tourists who come to Nashville, what is an under-the-radar place that they should visit? So there are two cool activities. One is hat show print, which are those prints that I referenced that, you know, I Buy, I buy at, uh, at, at shows, you can actually make your own. You can go to Hat Show. They are not open all the time. You have to sign up for it. But making your own Hat Show print is like the ultimate Nashville souvenir. I think that's like super cool. It's right downtown in the Omni Hotel. And the other thing is a museum that is spectacular. It's called the Lane Motor Museum. It's a car museum. And nobody's ever heard of it. And it is just a guy who has a lot of cars and they're spectacular and pristine and, you know, goes from, it's not quite Model T, but basically all the way to today and, and to future cars. And because I have, a, I have two sons, five and seven, they have an amazing play area 
car themed, as you can imagine, lots of matchbox and all that. But Lane Motor Museum is 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 a is a sleeper. Wonderful. Gandalf himself has spoken, everyone. Jan, thank you so much for being part of No Show, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, guys. 